Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up? Hey. Hey. Guys, Betty fucking White. Yeah. R.I.P., dude. Rip. R.I.P. Rip, Betty White. You know what, though? So, like, you had to take her on the last day of 2021. Otherwise, if you would have taken her on, like, the first day of 2022, we would have been like, well, fuck it. The whole year. The whole is shot. year is shot now. Yeah. So fuck that. I agree. Yep. So that sucks though. She was like I didn't think she was sick. Icon. She's not. She was ninety nine, babe. Mm. She wasn't sick. She was just old as fuck. But like the pictures that were on Facebook. Yeah. Of them all like hugging and it said picture. Oh, I know. December thirty first. I was like, oh god. I, I, I did cry. I'm not gonna lie. She's a fucking icon, man. She was a genius. She was amazing. And perfect timing. Yep. So now everybody's going to toast to her. Yep. So. Right on. Betty White. Mm, I should have had you sing the intro. I know. It's so good. That would have been funny to have you sing (laughs) it. So. Um, My voice is not in a singing mood. Everybody in the house has fucking cooties. Yeah. We're all fucking sick. Everybody. But me. Yeah. Somehow you lucked out. I, as soon as you guys feel better, I'm you're, going down. Yeah, you are. You're, I'm going to fucking crash. And you're, yep, you're going to go down yeah. hard, too. But I mean, it's been... So, like, Jack started. So, I spent my first day of 2022 cleaning up vomit. Yep. So, he started it. And then you got it. And then I got it. And then Leah got it. Mm-hmm. So... Now it's you just, and like you and Leah seem to be kind of on the up and up a little bit. I feel fine. It's yeah. just the congestion. Yeah, poor Bubba man had to go to the doctor today. Though. Yeah, he got the croup. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, poor guy. He laid in my bed yesterday and just sobbed. I'm so tired of being sick, and no, I felt fucking terrible. Poor guy. Because like I'm pumping the kid full of fucking medicine, and he can't breathe through his nose. Yeah. So poor guy. So hopefully the steroids help. But. I'm hoping so, because this sucks. Yeah. I, I have not slept in probably four days. Yeah. Every time I so. wake up, you're up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No Rona, uh, though. No, no. no. Yeah, it was negative. Yeah, no Rona. It's the flu Rona going around now. Yeah, it's something yeah, I nasty. think you guys had the flu, to be honest with you. I don't know what, but it, it sucked. Yeah, you were pretty bad the one day. Oh, yeah. 
thanks for taking taking care of me, Mama. I have to. Somebody has to remind you to drink fucking Gatorade. Yeah, no shit. Take a Tylenol when your fever's 100. Now I'm drinking tea. When the fuck do I ever drink tea? His vagina is drinking lavender tea. Lavender honey. But my throat hurts so much. From coughing? Yeah, the congestion, I figure. Do you got boogers going down the back of your throat? Yeah. Yeah, that's why your throat hurts. Yeah. So. So that's why I figure I'll just drink some tea. Like a vagina. Yes. It's supposed to be. Lovely. It's supposed to be stress relief tea. Can I bathe in it? Uh, I feel stress-free. Yeah. Can I fucking bathe in it? Right. So, we got new candles for our uh, little room, guys. Uh, they're Jesus candles. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> According to Target, they're Valentine's Day candles. Yeah, they look like those. Uh, they're Jesus candles. Can you stop hitting the table? I'm trying to get comfortable. Shut up. Jesus Christ. All I hear is just rumbling over You're there. You're going to hear a lot when I fucking throw some at your head. Oh, my God. Yeah, they look like candles from church yeah. that you stole or something. I swear I didn't steal them. I did get them from Target. They are cool, though. Yeah. We have to get a long lighter, nice. though. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So, um, I don't even know what fucking episode we're on, by the way. I think 36. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think Farmville was 35. And then we did Jody Arias' mm-hmm. Patreon. So we should be on 36. Yeah. So this one that we're doing, Mark mm-hmm. wanted to. Yes, this was a, I did. This was a specific Mark request. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a goodie. It is. It is. Um, I'm torn. To Like, I'm not torn whether or not he's guilty. He's obviously fucking guilty. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm torn how I feel about the whole situation. If that makes sense. I have to move this. Yeah. Um, and the next one I want to do, it's cause, so we got reels now and I think we got to just, cause it's the new year and like it's for free right now. Mm-hmm. The channel. I don't know. Okay. Reels. Yeah. So cops is on reels. So oh, yeah. Mark and I now watch friends and cops and that's it. That's it. Um, but there's a commercial, um, for a show like the friends speak or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's Effluenza Teen. It's that kid who fucking killed a bunch of people yeah. and then got off. So I want to, that'll be kind of a, I don't want to say mini because I don't know what fucking mini means, but I want to do that one too. Okay. But then I'm going to go off the other one with a couple of requests. We need more requests. I can't say that word. Requests? Thank you. We need more of those. Yeah. We're running low now. Yeah. So. Tell me what you want to hear. Yeah. Pump them out. I think it was Lynn who said the Zodiac Killer. Oh, okay. I I know literally nothing about the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, I don't know shit. So, I mean, I guess I could figure it out, right? Yeah. So. Mm. Um. So I have to. I I have to tell this. I have to. Okay. So, Jackson plays football. Obviously, you mm. guys all know that if you listen. Yeah. Um, he's best friends with the coach's kid mm-hmm. and, uh, coach has a little girl. Mm-hmm. She's three or four. Yeah. She's the cutest little um, thing ever. I love her because she, f- she calls Jax every day, first mm-hmm. of all. <laughs> yep. And she found out Jax was sick and she wanted to send him donuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
her mom got a hold of me and she, you know said Parker wants to send him donuts is it okay you know Jackson said we had to ask you first and I was like that's literally the sweetest fucking thing I've ever mm-hmm. heard because like who would think oh you feel like shit let's send some donuts yep. a three-year-old that's genius and she got me coffee and too. she got you coffee so she is the cutest little girl I mean we, I swear to god we might as well just call ourselves in-laws now because for real I want Jackson to marry her. um I love her yeah I do she's oh I love her. She's adorable. She is. And they say that Jax is a good influence on her brother. That's which good. I'm like, what fucking Jax are you talking about? Right. You know? But I guess that means we're doing something Well, like right. we were saying the other day in the car, as long as they're not assholes in public, like we're doing right. something right, you know? Yep, yeah, exactly. So, but I, I had to I had to tell everybody that. Yeah. He got donuts sent to him because mm-hmm. he, he didn't feel good. But this whole week, man, I, I've felt so bad for him. Uh, yeah. He's, he's legit been out of it. Yeah. So. He's he's good today. He's better today. Yeah. Than he has been. The cough is chunkier, though. Yeah. Stop making so much noise. I hear like a vibrating. Do you hear that? Yeah, I do. I don't know. Is it bothering you? I hear it now because you said something. I think it's the washer or something. No. Um, so do you want to tell everybody about Tuesday? No, you could tell. No, you tell him. So Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, the 11th, we are scheduled to be on WGN, which is a Chicago station, Channel 9. Uh, best newscast ever, yeah, by the way. The morning news. Hilarious. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, but after the morning news, in the morning at 10 o'clock, they have a daytime Chicago television show, and we were asked to be on it. So we're going to be, there's a little segment that we're going to be guests on. So if anybody knows how I can lose 30 pounds by Tuesday morning, hit me up. (laughs) So, but they sent us this packet, like what to wear, what colors to wear. They said wear bright colors, don't wear black. I'm wearing Uh, black. I'm wearing black. (laughs) Right. From head to fucking toe. (coughs) I'm going to be cloaked in black and Spanx. That's what I'm doing. Well, you should wear one of our shirts. I will. But Mark's like, baby, you should do the talking so we don't sound like idiots. And I'm yeah, like, I know. well, we're fucking idiots, so we're probably going to sound like idiots. <laughs> Wonder how this is going to go. Oh, babe. But, uh... Babe, you have... <laughs> While I'm talking, please sit next to me and just be like, I don't know what to do I don't with know what my to do with my hands. <laughs> but the, the host, or one of the co-hosts, Amy Rutledge. Oh, I have a pocket here. She okay. emailed me today, you know, because I told her, like, I was in a wheelchair. And right. Gave her the whole spiel. She's like, you know, our set really isn't handicap accessible. Which is funny. She actually took a picture of the set. She did? And, and emailed it to me. She's like, we have two stops going up here, and then the chairs are pretty high. Do you think you'll be okay? I was like, yeah, you know, that that should be good. And then she's like, we have like two minutes and 30 seconds in between segments where we have to change out guests. So will that be enough time for you to... <laughs> no. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think so. You'll get in the chair by the time we're done. <laughs> yeah. 
So. I, I just, I don't want to sound like an idiot. I'm, I'm nervous. And like, how far do you think my ass is going to hang off of this chair that we have to sit in? I know. I'm short. Am I going to have to climb into this chair? Like, yeah, I don't know. There's so many things I'm scared about. Every, literally everybody is like, uh, Jamie knows she can't say fuck, right? Oh, I know. Yeah, I get they, it, guys. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm we, aware. We cannot swear. I, I'll put on my customer service voice. Yeah. You've heard my customer service voice. Yeah, I It's have. a whole nother fucking person. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we're going to Watch, be, I'll be the one to slip oh, up. Oh, God, that would be great. So, we're going to be on TV. Yeah. Promoting this I am, shit. I'm fucking terrified. Like, no shit. Terrified. It's awesome, though. I mean, this shit is actually blowing up. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fucking cool. I need... 361 more Patreons and I can quit my job. <laughs> Not that I'm counting or anything. Right. So. Do we have any new Patreons, by the way? Uh, ooh, you know what? Uh, I don't I know. I thought we did. And I, I don't have my computer in front of me. So uh, that makes me a giant you're a dick wiener. face. Um, but I plan on having the next one done. Like... In the next, I haven't slept in a fucking week. Why start now? So, okay, I'll have it done and I'll, well, I'll ne- announce. Next it one, we'll definitely have yeah. to hit up the Patreon. So I'm sorry because I think we had one or two. I think new we ones. did too. I'm sorry. It's been it's people will understand this. It's open enrollment at work for insurance. Yeah. I work with a lot of younger ish people who don't really understand insurance because now you can stand your parents' insurance until you're twenty fucking six. Right, right, dude. I turned eighteen. My dad called and was like, happy birthday. You're off the insurance. The child support stops. And he went and bought a fucking boat. Yeah. They, I mean, I, there was none of this 26 shit. No, I, I was on until 21. Not, I, I got, you, you know, you, know, you can be job. married. You can be married and your parents can still carry yeah, you that's and their crazy. insurance. So, but they're, they're very sweet about it. They're like, I, I just turned 26. I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't know what kind of insurance I need. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's been a very hectic week. If if you've never done it, you, right. you don't know. Right. Well, and it's funny, too, because my boss, even. Oh, God damn it. I just pulled out the oh. eraser on this pen. Um, it, even my boss is like, you going to do my paperwork? <laughs> Haven't I done it every year for the now, past now three? Now that's silly. That, come on now. I, it, it's so, babe. You know what I'm working with. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. There's only one out of the whole family that does her own paperwork. Right. <laughs> so mm. it's okay. I don't mind. This year it was it was all online, so it was it was nice, but very hectic week. Yeah. So with the end of the year and. You know, end of your payroll and open enrollment. So I'm tired. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. I was very excited to come home and put on sweatpants. Yes. Yeah, you jumped into it quick. I I wanted to take my fucking bra off in the car on the way home. (laughs) Like, I was ready. Jeez. Oh, God. All right. Why don't you uh, get the shindig started? All right. So we are doing. Christopher Dorner. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of people have heard of this. I remember it happening. They should. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I I would bet 
I would imagine a lot of people remember it happening, but probably don't know him details because I didn't. I didn't. Well, know I I didn't know all the details either. Just, right. You know, the main ones. Some so. of your details too that you thought were details were not like it wasn't. Oh really? Yeah. So. Oh okay. Well, um. We'll be just as surprised then. Are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, my phone's going off. Oh, it's Carissa. <laughs> Um, okay, so, let me move this fucking thing. Move that motherfucking yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. So, a uh, little word vocabulary for you. A uh, serial killer is defined as a person who commits a series of murders, often with no apparent motive and typically following a characteristic, predictable behavior pattern. Wikipedia, I can't get this in the right spot, I'm sorry. Uh, Wikipedia says a serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people taking place over more than a month and including a significant period of time between them. Mm. Now, a spree killer is defined as someone who kills two or more victims in a short time in multiple locations. The U.S. Bureau of Justice Statistics... Statistics? Did that sound right? Okay. Defines a spree killing as... Killings at two or more locations with almost no time break between murders. Hmm. So that is significant because some people uh, confuse this gentleman. He's not a gentleman. Confuse this man as a a serial serial killer. killer. And he was not a serial killer. He was a spree killer. Generally, spree killers have a purpose. Like there's a point. They think they have a point. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Christopher Dorner had Southern California on lockdown for 10 days in February of 2013 and is often called a serial killer, but is actually a spree killer. Um, he, he, it took everybody by surprise who knew him and Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I'll explain a little bit later, but, um, by the end of this, he had just as many supporters as he did like not enemies, but like non-supporters. Really? Yes. Very much so. Mm. Some of the Facebook pages are still actually up. In support of him? Yes. Really? Yes. And it's like, I'm one of the very few people who's in between. People are either like, yeah, we get it, or no, he's a fucking maniac. Mm. You know? So, all right. I don't think I have an opinion yet i i'm i'm very i'm torn so all right all right christopher jordan dorner was born june 4th 1979 in new york state uh before he was a year old his mom moved him and his sister to california couldn't find shit about his dad Mm -hmm. no clue um he attended norwalk christian school Chris said that he was the only black kid in school from first through seventh grade, living in a neighborhood that was less than one percent black. Uh, should I say a trigger warning? I mean, it's us, and we usually don't. This is a very racially motivated situation. Okay. So, FYI. Yeah. Um. There was one instance in school when a classmate called him a racial slur, which I will not repeat. Uh, Chris responded by punching and kicking the kid who ran away and told the teacher. Uh, While the kid who called Chris names was, quote, swatted by the principal, so was Chris. And Chris was like, 
what the fuck? Yeah. What did I do? Like, I defended myself. You know, why Why am I getting in trouble? Mm. Uh, the principal said that he should have turned the other cheek like a good Christian. Oh, stop. Uh, to Chris, this meant that there was really no protection or escape from racism. Right. So, like, you get called the name and he can't. I would have fucking hit you, too. I, I would, you know? too, yeah. So... He made a vow to himself that day that he would never again tolerate derogatory racial terms spoken to him. Uh, Chris and his family moved a couple times before settling in a small city south of L.A. called Cyprus. There he attended Cyprus High School. I have a new fascination with colored uh, notebooks, guys, by the way. Um, so Chris actually grew, he grew up to be a pretty big boy. Uh, he was 5'11 and weighed about 225 pounds. So obviously he was on the dude. football team. Yeah. yeah, big guy. Uh, he also learned about a program called Young Police Explorers through the La Palma. I'm going to mispronounce every fucking California town because they're all weird names. Yeah. Um, through La Palma Police Department. Uh, this was a program where teens could train to be police officers while they were still in high school. He thought this was the greatest fucking thing ever yeah. and immediately signed up for it. I got to move this clipboard to drive me up the fucking wall. Move it. All right. Um, Slam it. Sorry, I threw it on the ground. Um, he felt that he really had found his calling. Yeah. He thought that this is what he should be doing. Um, another incident happened in school that, again, made him feel there was no escape or protection from racism. He had a watch stolen out of his locker. Uh, according to Dorner, he was told by the assistant principal that he knew who did it. It was a teacher's assistant who was a student uh, who had actually stolen the entire list of locker combinations. Uh, Dorner confronted the kid and he's like, give me my fucking watch. Yeah. <laughs> Campus security was called and uh, they immediately grabbed Chris, not the other kid. What? Um, Chris tried in vain to explain that this kid had taken his watch and he fucking wanted it back. And that's what he was doing. He didn't hit the kid. He didn't push him. He didn't. He simply verbally confronted this kid. Yeah. Um, Chris said the principal, you know, he told him. He's like, listen, dude told me who this kid was. The assistant principal was like, nope. I didn't say shit. I don't know what you're talking about. So totally threw him under the fucking bus. Yeah. Um. He felt like he was not being supported by the people that were supposed to protect him. And he, he's absolutely correct. Right. Um, so <clears throat> he wasn't being protected. Uh, the, the guy fucking lied. Yeah. You know? So yeah. after graduating high school, Chris went to Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. Mm -hmm. uh, he played running back for the football team. And the town... Um, and college were largely it was it largely consisted of white conservative Mormons, um, and Chris said that he felt severely outnumbered. Oh yeah, which you were. Yeah, I definitely. Um, he told his friend uh, and teammate James Usera that, uh, it, or excuse me, James Usera said that Dorner told him that he felt that the coach was a racist. Didn't give any examples, but mm -hmm. that's what he said. So, um, Chris was a self-proclaimed, quote, city boy and credits James for teaching him about the outdoors. Taught him how to fish and hunt and yeah. all that shit. So, um, <clears throat> he learned to have respect for the land and the resources, which would, it kind of comes into play later. 
Uh, Chris would later say in his manifesto that James introduced him to PBR. <laughs> the, quote, uh, best beer for a broken college, or broke college student. <laughs> yeah. PBR tastes like pee. Yeah, it does. <laughs> By the way, or what I would imagine pee would yeah. taste like. So... In 2001, Chris graduated college with a degree in political science and a minor in psychology. So he's a smart dude, you know. Uh, A year after graduating, Chris enlisted in the United States Navy Reserves. He was sent to pilot training at Vance Air Force Base in Oklahoma. Uh, While he was there, him and Marine Lieutenant Andrew Bogger were walking down the street when they found a bag containing approximately $8,000 in cash and checks. Uh, they didn't even think twice about it. They took it straight to the police. Yeah. It turns out it was a deposit for a church. Um, the person depositing it put it on top of their car and then mm. drove off with it on there. Yeah. So <clears throat> the boys ended up getting interviewed by a local paper because they're two teenage boys. They found eight grand and they turned it in, you know? Yeah, good for them. So... Andrew said in the interview, quote, it's an integrity thing. Uh, Chris stated, quote, it's not so much the integrity, but it was someone else's money. I would hope someone would do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The paper actually did run a reprint uh, later on. This time they interviewed a Navy spokesperson. He stated that Dorner served with various aviation training units from 2002 to 2004. That year, 2004, Chris was assigned to a mobile inshore undersea warfare unit. Mm. So, like, he's guarding submarines. Yeah. That's the gist I got out of it. Um, The mission is to protect surveillance operations uh, and intelligence collection in a rapidly deployable package. Mm. So, it sounds important, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is thin paper, though. It, like, sticks. Ugh. He's being fucking loud now. You hear that shit? Yeah, With I know. With this goddamn little teacup. Tea. Um, <laughs> Chris stated that during this time... Delicious. <laughs> he was trained to be an expert marksman with a pistol and a rifle. Uh, in February of 2005, Chris joined the LAPD. His academy class was slotted to graduate in August of 2005. However, during that uh, academy class, he suffered multiple injuries, and he was, they said, they call it recycled. Mm -hmm. So he was removed from that class and was put into class number 5-05, slotted to graduate in January of 2006. Uh, At some point during this class, though, he was cleaning his service weapon, and uh, it negligently discharged, and he shot himself in the fucking hand. Did he really? Yeah. So they're like, cool, you're going to sit the rest of this one out. Yeah, that's a big dono. So they suspended him for the rest of that class, but then they recycled him into class number 07-05, slotted for graduation in March of 2006. Mm. So they didn't kick him out completely. No. and I was surprised by that, actually. Yeah, he's very lucky he he wasn't. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I was surprised. No. So, um, he immediately, after graduating this academy class, he immediately accused uh, the entire LAPD of racism. This accusation stemmed from uh, incidents that he 
had been a part of during training. Uh, one incident was he witnessed a fellow recruit um, harassing and using derogatory slurs to another recruit, going as far as singing Nazi songs to this poor kid, knowing that his dad was a concentration camp survivor. Well, in the academy, they're trying to get on your nerves. Yeah, but it was... Re- That's the whole point. It wasn't... It was recruits against recruits, not like the people training them. Oh, okay. Um, the other incident was it took place in a passenger van when they were going back and forth between fucking somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. It looked like a Duggar van where, you know, 900 people fit in it. Yeah. Um, two recruits were in the back of the van saying uh, the N-word. Chris told them that he was, you know, it's offensive and fucking stop. Mm-hmm. Um, these two guys were like, fuck you. I'll say it when I want to, however I want to. Um, Dorner got pissed. He jumped over his seat and over the recruit sitting in the middle and grabbed the recruit using the word by the neck and started choking him. Mm-hmm. Uh, IA opened up an investigation internal affairs. Yeah. IA. Um, only one recruit in the van corroborated Chris's story. Um Everybody else, the other six in the van, were like, we didn't hear nothing. No, of course. We didn't see nothing. Yeah. You didn't see a giant black man jumping over a bench? No, just I, stay out You of saw it. nothing? So. No. Um, however, they did They did believe Chris. They did take his word for it. Good. Because um, the shit that was using the N-word was giving a, given a 22-day uh, paid suspension. Okay. So paid, but still suspended. Mm. Um. He because it was paid, he was allowed to finish his training and ultimately uh, retain a position with the LAPD. Yeah. Um, the IA detective, however, that was investigating this issued a one twenty-eight on Dorner. Do you know what that is? I have no fucking clue. It, it's a complaint of employee misconduct. Okay. They have a lot of codes in LAPD yeah. that I don't think makes sense to anybody but the LA fucking PD. Right. Because <laughs> um. You, you can't just say misconduct. Yeah, right. You got to give it a number. Whatever. Um, so this made Chris feel like he was being retaliated against for reporting um, racism. <clears throat> Which I get. Okay. Yeah. So four months into this last, uh, or excuse me, four months into his field training, Chris was actually called to active duty with the Navy Reserves. Uh, in January of 2006, he started a 12-month deployment. The first seven months, he was deployed in San Diego, and the last five months, he spent in Kuwait, uh, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Wikipedia says Baran from uh, November of 2006 to April of 2007 with coastal... What the fuck did I write? Flippity flab. Coastal... <laughs> I don't know, Riverine Group 2. So uh, different sources say different things. Good job. Yeah, I, yeah, I suck. Um, the only, for sure we know that the first part of the deployment was still within the United States. Okay. And the second part was overseas. Right. Um, so part of this time was spent guarding sea rigs near Iraq, and he was actually awarded the Iraq Campaign Medal. Hmm. Uh, a friend he was deployed with, whose name is Jamie. Uh, described Chris as, quote, a really, really nice guy who liked to play football and would feed all the stray cats. Okay. I don't like cats. Yeah, I don't either. 
Uh, shortly after returning from deployment, Chris actually married an undercover narcotics officer from the LAPD named April Carter. Uh, the marriage lasted a month. Ooh, all right. <laughs> but the two continued to hang out, and Chris was often seen at her house doing yard work, helping her out, barbecue, yeah. and all that kind of shit. So, um, Chris was still considered a rookie with the LAPD because he had only completed four months of his training. Yeah. Uh, and generally, the field training can last up to 18 months, depending mm-hmm. on how you do. Yep. Um, he felt he might have had some issues after the deployment. And he asked for um, reintegration training and was told no. Hmm. Sorry. Fuck you. Good luck. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so instead of the reintegration training, he was assigned to officer who, uh, she's now a sergeant, hmm. Teresa Evans in the San Pedro division. Yeah. Not long after being paired together, Evans became concerned with Dorner's behavior and conduct of duty. Um, she stated, or excuse me, she started documenting his behavior and his performance. He was aware of his shortcomings and Evan's concerns and the issues that he needed to work on. He repeatedly asked for reintegration training and he was repeatedly denied and he couldn't figure out why. Um, at one point he went into, um, his chief. So I would imagine like their battalion chief or whatever. Um, he went to see him visibly upset, crying, demanding to be sent back to the academy. Really? He's like, I've been gone for a long time. I don't remember a lot. Like, I need help. Yeah. They denied him. Can you, do you want to text Jax and tell him to let the fucking dog out of the room? Because <laughs> that's all we can hear. So you're probably going to hear Chance's nails hitting the floor. But yeah. we tried um, to put him upstairs in our bedroom with Jax and he didn't like it up there. So all you could hear was him whining. So if you heard it, I'm sorry, we're not like beating him or anything. (laughs) So we let him out. Um, So yeah, he, Dorner repeatedly asked for, for retraining. He didn't feel like um, the field training was enough. Not that his FTO was bad, just that there were things that he needed to relearn that yeah. he, you know, his field training officer expected him to know already, which he didn't. He had four and months of training and then he got deployed for a year. Good for him for For stand- asking. Yeah, yeah. For fucking standing up and saying, yeah. I, I need help. And it was multiple, multiple times that he asked for the reintegration training and multiple times that he asked to be sent back to the academy and he was just denied. Because usually it's the opposite. You get these new guys that just want to get out there. They're going to save the fucking world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got to fucking train them and train them and they're like, what the fuck? Right. You know. And. Uh, dude, you're not ready. Right. But. And he, he tried. Like he knew he wasn't ready. He knew there was some issues from the deployment and he really did try and they just shut him down man that's that's a shitty yeah so wonder why i do wonder why and i couldn't i did look i tried to find reasons why even anybody would be denied re um reintegration training because i feel like if you're asking for it you need it yeah why else would you fucking ask i mean of course it's gonna cost money right but you know, you're going to have to pay in another FTO. So you're either going to pay for the reintegration training or you're going to pay for the shit that happened. Or your lawsuits. So. Yeah. I just, I feel like if, if somebody in that position is coming to you and saying they need more training, 
they they need more training. Yeah. Because that's not generally a manly thing to do. I know that sounds terrible, but it's the truth. It's not a man thing to do. It's not a cop thing to do. Right. So you just, he kind of like they shut the door in his face time after time. So um, his poor conduct eventually turned into actual deficiencies that uh, could compromise safety. Hmm. Um, One example is not taking proper cover or precautions when interviewing a suspect on a man with a gun call. No, that's not good. So um, on July 28th, 2007, Officer Evans and Dorner were dispatched to a local Doubletree Hotel in San Pedro uh, for disturbing the peace call. The suspect was sitting outside the hotel. Uh, He was not responding to commands, blatantly ignoring um, the two officers. Yeah. Uh, which I want, I want to say something later. Okay. Um, so Dorner took the suspect by the arm to lead him away from the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, the suspect, his name was Christopher Gettler. And unbeknownst to the officers at the time, he did have a history of severe mental illness, including schizophrenia and dementia. Yeah. So that's, that's a shit combination. Yeah, it um, is. You know, and from multiple sources say that he did live with his family. They did, you know, they, they tried their best with him, but he was mm-hmm. not super compliant with his meds. And so yeah. it, he was a handful, you know. Um, he was initially cooperative after Dorner took his arm, but soon started swearing at both of them and was attempting to run. Mm. Evans immediately called for backup and Gettler started hitting Dorner as he attempted to subdue him. Dorner at this point had no choice but to use force and take Gettler to the ground. Comment. Yeah. See it every day. Um, oh my God. So, sorry, side note. The the Notel Motel across the street, mm-hmm. you know, from Bud. Uh, they're doing free COVID testing. Oh my God. <laughs> I saw the sign and I was like, but That's what? terrible. They're doing free COVID testing. <laughs> So, that's fucking, sorry. <laughs> like, are they doing S? Uh, like, you should be testing for chlamydia, not yeah, that's fucking what COVID. At. Yeah. But literally, everybody drove by and was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so, side note. My sorry. God, they should be testing for the clap. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Sorry. So, uh, the two- genital warts. <laughs> I just found out I got genital warts from this whore I was sleeping with. <laughs> I fucking love cops. I know. Cops is awesome. <laughs> it's great. Um, so the two men actually landed uh, in a planter with bushes in it. Gettler ended up in the planter face down with Dorner on top of him. Uh, Gettler continued to resist, refusing to show his hands. Uh, Evans then took Dorner's taser and deployed it twice. Mm didn't do shit no. uh it had no effect on gettler and he continued to resist now uh so evans moved to the other side of the two fighting men and attempted to handcuff gettler so the following that i'm going to say is dorner's side of the story okay, okay. um <clears throat> to which i said the following is dorner's version of how the rest of the arrest occurred because mm-hmm. obviously there's a difference so okay Um, Evans was unable to get Gettler's arm handcuffed, so she swung her foot back and struck Gettler once in the face and twice in the chest with her foot. 
Gettler then responded, um, is this all you wanted? And gave him his arm, gave up his arm to be handcuffed. Uh, he was now compliant, cuffed, and put into the squad car. A small scratch was noted on Gettler's face, but he also went face down into a planter, too. So, um, The crew immediately called their supervisor to discuss the arrest and the use of force. Sergeant Jackson arrived on scene and took a verbal report from the two officers, but more so Dorner than Evans. Does he hate us? I think so. The dog hates us. Yeah, sorry. We're <laughs> really having issues with the dog tonight. Then we just tried to get him in Leah's room and he won't even no. fucking go upstairs. So, sorry. Whatever. I, I apologize. And I'm not editing it out because no. I don't know how. So, dog's barking. Yeah. So, um, so, Sergeant Jackson arrived on scene, took a verbal report from the two officers, uh, more so from Dorner than Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, upon arrival at the station, Gettler was examined by another detective and a physician, both noting the small scratch on Gettler's face. What, what is the problem I'm seeing? Why are we taking so much time on this? This is the issue. This was this is the meat and potatoes of what, what? happened. Yes. Yes. Oh, my. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. They like there's no doubt that they did him fucking dirty. So, uh, according to later court transcripts, Evans stated that her and Dorner discussed the call at the station so they could properly write the report. Per Evans, Dorner took an incredibly long time and asked many questions about the use of force portion. Because of this, the report had to be revised three times by Evans and Sergeant Jackson. So, my notes. Uh, I'm sure that this is irritating as fuck, being an FTO, trying to get him to write a report. Um, But don't you want him to write it the right way? Yeah. Like, so you would take the time. Yeah. Right? Okay. So then I don't understand why the time it took for him to do it caused Evans and the other sergeant to have to revise the report. If it was taking him so long, he wasn't fucking writing anything. What are you revising? Yeah. So, but, and that's what they keep saying is that it had to be revised. And it had to be rewritten. Why? Are, are they having an issue with the use of force? Her kicking. Her kicking the guy. So what? That's, babe, that's, that's it. Like, that's the, so the what? root of this whole thing. You can. As long as you document it. Right. If you're struggling with use of force... Right. I mean, and she's a female, mm-hmm. so she's smaller. I mean, she could punch, claw, mm-hmm. kick, whatever to gain compl- the compliance and she needs. Everybody is in agreement that Gettler was resisting and he was attempting to flee. He was also attempting to hit both officers. I've, for example, I tased the dude before. And it had no effect. That she tased him twice. I proceeded to hit him in the head with my taser. What the fuck else are you supposed to do? I documented that. Mm-hmm. I was fine. So as long as it's documented, I could use whatever use of force is necessary to gain the compliance that you need. Well, and according to Dorner, 
he complied. After after Evans kicked him, he complied. So then what's the issue? Right. But the biggest thing that I don't understand is if he's taking so long, it's it's because he's having a hard time writing out that use of force portion. Yeah. So what are you fucking revising? He's not writing anything. What are you revising? Maybe he's just writing stupid stuff that well, doesn't need to be in there. Evan said that he couldn't remember um, specific... Um, like codes and verbiage. Yeah. Um, and she wanted But the, you don't you don't write codes in reports. You write it for a layperson. I know. Not in the LAPD apparently. But um she said that he was having a hard time accurately documenting him tackling Gettler. So she didn't bring up the kicking. She mm. said he had a hard time writing how how and why he tackled Gettler, which again was warranted. Yeah. According to all sources, it was warranted. Yeah. Um. So being more than a year since graduation, he he was he was having a hard time remembering how to properly document. Which that's why he wanted fucking training. Yeah, that's why he wanted more training. But I feel here's like the thing though. A lot of it though is common sense, right? Uh, it is. You would think. Uh, no, it is. Yeah. Half of it is, more than half of it is just common sense. You document what the fuck happened. Right. You're not making up anything. You just explain how it played out. Right. So this turns into essentially a lie by omission. Mm. So um, he noted the scratch from the planter in his report, but no other actions or injuries. So he didn't he didn't write in the report that Gettler kicked, or excuse me, that Evans kicked him. Right. Um, he would later say he didn't initially include the kicking for fear of retaliation. Dorner, who uh, was unhappy with the report and couldn't stop thinking about it, eventually um, kind of was having an internal battle with himself and went to his friend who was a sergeant in IA. Mm-hmm. Uh, sergeant Perez was his friend in IA. He was on vacation, so they were trying to have conversations, but they were short, and the two kind of played phone tag. Uh, but the basic gist of the conversations was Perez told Dorner, like, y- you got to fix the fucking report. You have to. Yeah. You have to report the incident immediately. Yeah. It's just what you have to do. Um. So Dorner was... Like, uh, I don't want to, but like, I want to, I don't want to, but I want to. And Perez was finally like, dude, if you don't, I have to. So it it would be better coming from you. But like, one of us has to report it. I'm obligated. This is what you need to do. Right. So on August 10th, that's my dad's birthday, of 2007, Dorner reported Evan's excessive use of force during the Gettler arrest. It's not even excessive. I know, but that's what it was written as. So. Wow. Um, to the assistant watch commander, Sergeant Deming. He reported his account of the arrest. He didn't say anything the day of the arrest because he felt the responding sergeant, Sergeant Jackson, was only concerned with Dorner's actions on the call, not Evans. And the reason for that was because they were friends. Mm. Um, when Sergeant Jackson said Evans and Dorner's verbal reports were the same, Dorner knew that Evans did not report kicking yeah. the, the suspect. 
Uh, Dorner said he knew Jackson and Evans were friends and he didn't feel super comfortable going to Sergeant Jackson and being like, listen, this fucking happened too. Um, He said he was also afraid of retaliation, especially after the two other incidents that had happened during the academy. Um, He said Evans asked if he agreed with the use of force and he agreed with her to avoid conflict. Uh, Dorner said Evans did not want to include the kicking in the report because she was trying to get promoted and couldn't have, uh, quote, all these reports of excessive force on my record. Sergeant Deming said Dorner was, quote, close to tears while telling him the story. Dorner immediately regretted reporting it and uh, begged Sergeant Deming and Sergeant Perez to just let it go. Yeah. Don't report it to anybody higher. And again, they both told them, like, we're fucking obligated, dude. We right. get it. You know, we get where you're coming from, but we're obligated. We have to. Right. So um, a few days after Dorner turned in the updated report, uh, he reported to his commanding officer that someone had possibly peed on his equipment bag. Uh, Dorner was convinced it was retaliation. However, later testing showed that it wasn't urine. Cool. Still thought it was pee. Yeah. I I don't care what it was. Somebody poured something on my fucking bag. Yeah. Whether it was piss or iced tea, you poured something on my shit. Yeah, that's shady. So, who cares? You tested it? You fucking tested it to see if it was pee? Come on. What the fuck? Yeah. What test is uh, there? This is what you have time for? Yeah. So... I thought that was odd. Yeah. But. That is. Um, so I wrote, did he lie or did someone pour shit on his bag? Um, for most accounts, though, Dorner was. And see, this is this is where I start getting torn. Um, so for most accounts, Dorner was a dependable, friendly guy with a huge smile who was constantly helping out neighbors and friends. Yeah. Oh, every picture you see of this guy. He, he's got this huge smile on his face. Like, yeah. it's just this welcoming smile. Looks like a friendly fucking guy. Um, it, so it turns out, obviously, Evans and Dorner's accounts of how Gettler got scratched did not match. Uh, two weeks after the arrest, Evans told Dorner if he didn't show any progress, she would issue an unsatisfactory performance evaluation. Okay. Maybe then he'll get his reintegration training. Yeah. But she said that it would include all of the areas he needed to perform on or he needed to improve on, such as performance in general and common sense. But it would also include a recommendation to remove him from patrol. So this wasn't just a I'm your FTO and you need more training. (coughs) This was a I'm going to fuck up your world. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it escalated quickly. You went from. He needs training to... You're fired. Right. He needs to be taken off patrol. So I feel like that was a huge escalation. It's your job as an FTO to to train him. That's what FTO means. Yeah. And you didn't want to train him. You told him, figure it the fuck out or I'm going to tell him to take you off the street. Right. So uh, the day after Evans was told this, or excuse me, the day after Evans told this to Dorner is the day he turned in the updated report. So they think that that's why he said, you know, she kicked Gettler. He should have just asked for a new FTO. Right. He should have. They should have given him one. Yeah. Um, so 
they said that, you know, he turned in this updated report because of Evan's threat to turn in this unsatisfactory performance review. Um, Evans denied kicking Gettler, uh, but obviously a use of force investigation had to be done. So uh, in October of 2007, uh, the IA investigation started. Excuse me. Um, Hotel employees and the responding sergeant. There was also a... uh, Fuck. Some kind of cop there. I don't remember, but he wasn't an LAPD guy. And not like a... Uh, sheriff? I, no, I should have fucking wrote it down. Uh, we'll, we'll say security guard, because he wasn't, like, on a police department. Okay. Um, private detective? Not, no. Uh, I'll figure it out. Um, or private investigator? Well, what they said... What they testified to contradicted Dorner's statement. Okay. Um, the hotel employee said that Evans would not have been able to kick Gettler from where she was standing. Mm-hmm. Um, eyewitness accounts are bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that. Um, Gettler did not complain of being kicked at this time. Uh, there was no visible bruising. There was also no footprint on his face or his white shirt. Okay. Did she have to trample through mud before she did this to prove that she did it. So just because you don't see a fucking boot print doesn't mean it didn't happen. I, I'm still baffled by yes. who the fuck cares. Right. This guy was resisting. Babe, this is, I'm telling you, this is it. He, she can kick him if, if she needs to. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on? It, yeah. She's trying to gain compliance. Shenanigans is what's going on. What um, the fuck? But I, I, there's not going to be visible bruising that soon when you have... A, I mean, she was she was not a big person. Now, if you kicked me in the face, yeah, I might have some bruising. If I kicked you in the face, it probably wouldn't bruise for a little while. Right. There, so there's not much force behind her, you know, so his face isn't going to be immediately bruised. I just can't believe this kick, like... This is what it was. Caused this um, whole fucking... So the scratch was determined to be from the fall and not from her kicking him. Sergeant Jackson said that the first version <coughs> of the report was revised because Dorner took too long to write it and uh, took too long to write the use of force section. So they're admitting that they rewrote the report hmm. multiple times. Um, it, changes were made supposedly to better describe what happened. And again, in my notes, I said, they keep saying he took too long, but what does that have to fucking do with what he wrote? Right. So, that that, that I don't get. Um, an attempt was made to interview Gettler, but per his family, due to his severe mental illness, the schizophrenia and the dementia, it was nearly impossible to get accurate information from him. No. Um, after all the testimony... The Board of Investigations determined that Evans had not kicked Gettler and that Dorner had lied. Okay. Dorner was, uh, in turn, charged with making false accusations. Ooh, wow. This escalates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In December, he was granted a (coughs) Board of Rights hearing. Okay. Cool. Uh, He was represented by a former LAPD captain turned lawyer, Randall Kwan. Kwan said that Dorner, and keep this in mind, earmark this, 
Uh, Mm -hmm. Kwan said that Dorner did the right thing by reporting Evans, but said he should have reported it sooner. He said that Evans was being, quote, used as a scapegoat in an ugly case. What? That's what his attorney said, that they were fucking with him, basically. So um, throughout all of this, though, Dorner's story never changed. Gettler's father, Richard, was brought in to testify this time. He stated that when his son was brought home from the police station, uh, Christopher had told him that he had been kicked once in the face and twice in the chest, Yeah, which is what Dorner said happened. Yeah, um, Richard said that he was alarmed but didn't initially report it because Chris couldn't really tell him why he was kicked. Um, and uh, he said that Chris tended to answer yes to any question you would ask him. Yeah. So he's not always with it. Enough, you know, right. so his dad kind of brushed it off, not realizing that there, like, unless it happened to Gettler, there was no way for him to to make up that it was once in the face and twice in the chest. Right. Like, he, it's random, right. you know? Yeah. Um, when Mr. Gettler told this to Quan prior to the hearing, Quan decided that he did want to make the effort to interview Chris. So they did go interview him. Quan recorded it, and it was played at the hearing. Chris said that he had been kicked by a female during the arrest, but he described the female as, quote, almost black with dark hair. He then immediately changed it to the woman had light hair. Uh, Evans was white and had blonde hair. So Chris was brought in to testify at the hearing, but was unable to give the correct year and started giving odd answers. He testified that he didn't remember what happened, and he thought the officers had used a club to hit him during the arrest. What? He's not medicated. He has dementia. So, Dude, what um, is going on? (laughs) Evans was then called to testify. Uh, She denied kicking Gettler or any use of force during the arrest. She said she had been put on desk duty during the investigation and was unable to work overtime or earn any extra money, which was beyond difficult for her. Mm. Wah. Um, so they brought in the hotel employees again yeah. and this other cop who I can't remember what kind of cop he was. Sorry. Uh, they were brought in to testify and again they gave the same testimony that they had like given prior. Like an expert wist- witness? No. I, I want to say like game warden, but that's not right. Oh, well, a game ward? What the fuck is a gay ward? I said game warden. Game warden? What the fuck is that? A game warden? Yeah. Like animals, right? I don't, I've never heard that in my <laughs> life. You're <laughs> <God>, stupid. <laughs> I can't remember. I'll, I don't know. I'll update later. I mean, like, what? You don't know what a game warden is? No. Hang on. Is, is he just, like, some type of expert witness? No, no. It was some type of an officer on the scene. Hang on. Game warden. Officer in charge? So a game warden uh, is... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Their primary duty is to enforce state fish and wildlife laws. 
So I don't think that's it. No. <laughs> no. I'll but figure it out. I'll let you know. The officer in charge? No, he was not on the LAPD. Okay. Stop. So- you're making me, like, you're flustering me. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so they gave the same testimony again. Mm-hmm. The Board of Rights panel consisted of two LAPD captains and a defense attorney. The panel ruled against Dorner. They said that he was not credible and that he had made a false report in fear of losing his career due to a derogatory report of unsatisfactory job performance threatened by Evans. Wow. Uh, The burden of proof is obviously on Dorner and his attorney, and the board felt that they just hadn't met that. So Dorner appealed, but the appellate board agreed with the previous decisions that Dorner had lied. So, in February of 2009, Dorner was terminated by the LAPD. Dude, this this is wild. Yeah, so now, normally, termination hearings do not require security, additional security, anything like that. Um, However, on this particular day, there were armed guards yeah, standing watch. Probably because well, they fearing, knew he was going to go nuts. Fearing Dorner would retaliate. <coughs> My Excuse note says, me. but why? Because literally, like. Because they did him dirty. And that's the only thing I can think of. Because again, by all accounts, he was a nice guy. Yeah. Like, he wasn't a shitbag. He wasn't like. A nice guy who was a shitbag when nobody was looking. Like, he was a nice fucking guy. Everybody said this. All of his friends were like, what the fuck happened? Like, what? They had armed guards? Like, Like, what made them... But I'm so confused on this call. But I feel like they had the armed guards there because they know that they fucked him over. Like, they knew it. Essentially, when you're an FTO, you could be fired for anything. You don't need a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. But this is crazy. It is. <coughs> so excuse me. Um, I just I yeah, don't. This is wild. I don't understand, and I couldn't find anything that made them think like he's going to retaliate. Other than they know they fucked up. Yeah. You know. Um. So I said, from what I could find, there was really no indication at any of the prior hearings that Dorner would retaliate. He had not. Um, had any outbursts or misconduct at any of the other hearings. Mm -hmm. And there were multiple. So Mm -hmm. why this one? You know? Yeah. Um, He was, however, visibly upset, obviously, at the termination hearing. Uh, It was later reported to the LA Times by an anonymous LAPD official that, quote, Dorner's body language made it clear how angry he was. Um, It was clear he was wound up too tight. Well, fuck yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't he be? Right. He's being fired for some bullshit. So, over the next four years, Dor- Dorner made several unsuccessful appeals of his termination. During one of these appeals in 2010, County Superior Court Judge David Yaff, Yaff <clears throat> said that, quote, uh, he was, quote, uncertain whether the training officer kicked the suspect or not. Regardless of this, though, he upheld the termination ruling. Wow. So, like, more than just this one judge came out and said, 
well, we can't prove that she kicked him, but we can't prove that she didn't kick him. So we can't prove that Dorner and, lied. And my thing is, who in the fuck cares? <laughs> right. But this is... You're yeah. trying to gain compliance right. on a resisting Which, subject. according to all can, reports... You can kick mm-hmm. the person. You can punch them. Well... All you do is document it. According to the reports, I punched too. the subject because he he was punching me mm-hmm. or his arms were flailing. Right. I punched him to gain compliance, right. which worked. Right. And that's the thing. So according to Dorner, she kicked him and he's it like, worked. oh, this is what you want. And he immediately fucking complied. So. So what is the big deal? Like, I'm so fucking. Uh, yeah. Yes. That That's the thing. Like, and. <sighs> I don't know if it's just because we experienced things that we experienced in the area that we work in. And I mean, this was a very frequent occurrence for suspects to fight with the police. So this to me was not like, you know. Maybe we're just allowed a little more leeway, I guess. Or they had an agenda. Yeah. You know? Because this this scenario... Happens. It's like a Tuesday. Th- this is like, <laughs> yeah, like a Tuesday mm-hmm. afternoon. Mm-hmm. So, like, I- I'm fucking right. way confused, right? How this is like going to a hearing and well, like, the other what thing the too, fuck, is that you know he he appealed for years, and more than one person said we cannot prove that she didn't kick him. Right. You know, we can't prove that she did, but we can't prove that she didn't, which means we can't prove that Dorner lied. But, nah, fuck you. You're still fired. You know what I mean? I mean? The only fucking hearing we would have is if we used, if we fucking used our duty weapon. I was going to say it is if you fired your weapon, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Then, you know, ISP would come in, mm-hmm. Illinois State, and their public integrity. But yeah. But, like... Man, I'm I'm so confused with this. This is well, wild. This is where it goes downhill. Okay. Um, on February 1st of 2013, Dorner was discharged from the Navy Reserves. Hmm. He had made it to the rank of lieutenant, which is the equivalent of captain in the other branches. I don't know why it's different. No. Uh, in the 12 years that he had served. Hmm. Super Bowl Sunday, February 3rd, 2013, in Irving, California, uh, in a condo complex. A man took notice of a car parked on the top floor of the parking garage. There was a man slumped over with a woman in a blue dress also slumped over sitting next to him. Both were dead, apparently shot uh, execution style multiple times. Mm. Let me flip. Um, a large diamond ring was noted on the woman's left hand, so police felt that they could immediately rule out robbery. Right. Uh, 14 shell casings were found around the car. Damn. And okay, I might have heard this wrong. Um, power burns were on the windows where the bullets had entered. Powder? I heard power. Would there be powder burns on the window? Yeah. Okay. So we'll go with powder because you know more than I do. Yeah. Uh, so there were powder burns on the window where the bullets had entered, and this indicated that the um, uh, the weapon was fired at close range. Yeah, like right up to the window. Yeah. 
the officers canvassed the condo building, but no one had seen or heard anything. So this um, this made lead detective Victorio Atado, I'm saying her name wrong, I'm sorry, think that uh, a silencer had been used. Because it's a huge fucking complex, nobody heard anything. Uh, security cameras captured the couple entering the garage at approximately 7.30 p.m., and the bodies were discovered around 9.30 p.m. Irving, California was considered one of the safest cities in the United States. So murder was huge yeah. and the media arrived quickly. Yeah. A little after midnight, a worried father called Irving PD saying he recognized the building as his daughter's and he was unable to get a hold of her. His daughter was Monica Kwan and the worried father was Randall Kwan, his attorney, Dorner's attorney. Oh, Get your red strings out so you can do the whiteboard, okay? Randall Kwan was the one who defended him in the Board board of Rights hearing who said they were fucking him over, basically, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, The body in the car was identified as Monica Kwan. She was a women's basketball coach for Cal State Fullerton, and the male body next to her was identified as her uh, fiancé, Keith Lawrence, a security guard at USC. Uh, Randall Kwan was asked to come into the Irving Police Department to give a description of his daughter. He said he had last uh, seen her that afternoon wearing a blue dress. Mm -hmm. Uh, The couple had just gotten engaged a couple days prior. Investigation investigator, excuse me, asked Kwan if he had any enemies. Um, He was LAPD's first Chinese American captain. And during his time at the department, he led an anti-gang unit against Asian gangs. Um, He said he was always fair as a cop and a lawyer, and most of his clients were actually wrongfully terminated officers. Yeah. Uh, He said, quote, I represented them the best I could. There were very few clues, but there was a possible early lead. Uh, It's possible somebody was trying to stalk Monica at her away games. A blocked number would call the school claiming to be a parent looking for the team's location. Uh, when the person asked, you know, for a callback number, they hung up. On February 4th, 2003, at approximately 1 a.m., Dorner took to Facebook. Mm. Now, you can read this. Yeah. I read it. Okay. So. His um, manifesto? It's, they, they eventually started calling it his, man, his manifesto. He wrote out an 11,000-word rant venting all his anger and frustration it became known as his manifesto that's the equivalent of 20 plus pages yeah i was gonna ask it's uh, long okay it took a little bit um he specific but it's up where you could you can read it yeah um i can pull it up for you on one of my uh sites i use scribd a lot okay that's a blog sponsor us Mm -hmm. um and it's on there you can read it on there um I'll give you the the gist of it, though, so you don't have to read the whole thing, because I know you're not going to. Right. (laughs) So. um, Just the meat and potatoes. The meat and potatoes. It's it's funny, because Mark wanted to hear this case, um, but we didn't talk about it. This was the first case that we've done that he didn't ask questions. He wanted to wait and hear it. Mm. So he's genuinely shocked by something he's hearing, because I didn't tell him shit. Yeah, you didn't. Um. So he specifically named Sergeant Evans, Randall Kwan, and a list of approximately 50 other members of the LAPD and their families that he wanted to seek revenge on. Jesus. Dorner made direct threats, um, saying, quote, 
look your wives, husbands, and surviving children directly in the face and tell them the truth as to why your children are dead. Mm. Um, In National City, which is 100 miles south of Irving and just a few miles north of the Mexican border, an employee of an auto sound store was taking shit out to the dumpster when he saw what appeared to be a military-type equipment um, bag holding tactical equipment. His first thought was, I'm going to fucking sell this shit. (laughs) Right? Uh, Then a cop drove by. So he flagged down the cop. Um, The cop examined the bag and found a Kevlar vest, hundreds of bullets, ammo cans. What's an ammo can? Ammo can? Yeah. It's just like a container with ammo. Uh, Oh, that's easy. Um, A can of spray paint used by the SWAT team for camouflage. Mm -hmm. I I guess it's special spray paint. Um, And uh, a duty belt a full-size baton, multiple holsters, an extra-large LAPD uniform, and a police notebook with the names Dorner and Evans with badge numbers written on the front. The cop initially thought that this equipment could belong to a cop who was a victim of crime, and they were dumping it. So he called the LAPD um, and was told there was a Sergeant Evans, but nobody named Dorner. The officer called Sergeant Evans, whose stomach dropped into her ass at the sound of Dorner's name. Um, for six months after Dorner's termination, Evans said she carried her duty weapon everywhere, paranoid that Dorner was coming after her. Why? What are you afraid of? Right. If you didn't fucking lie, what are you so afraid of? Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I can think of about why all these people were like, we had armed guards. I had to carry my gun everywhere. Because you know you fucking did him dirty. Yeah. There's no other indication. Right. So, I mean, I get what happens later, but um, Evans was on shift that night and actually overheard two officers talking about Monica Kwan's murder. She would later say that she immediately thought that Dorner was responsible. She called Irving PD and told the lead detective, like, hey, I think this fucking guy did it. So she ran him out. Um... Shortly after this, though, surveillance footage was found of Dorner dumping all of his uh, shit in two separate dumpsters. In the second dumpster, they found a SWAT helmet, a tactical backpack, and a 9mm magazine with bullets. Monica and Keith were shot with a 9mm weapon. Mm. Uh, The two dumpsters were directly in front of the National City Police Department. Yeah. So he was a little ballsy. Just whatever. Um. Detective Atado, uh, Atado, the lead detective. Um, Atado. Yeah, I can't. I tried to write it down six different ways so I would like pronounce it right. Spell it. I don't know how to spell it. Oh my god. How, how am I going to learn how to spell it from a fucking podcast? They don't spell it. Mm. I think it's Otado. We'll go with that. Otado. Um, She couldn't find anybody at the LAPD other than Evans who knew of Dorner, so she called Randall Kwan. Uh, He was, quote, beyond shocked. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said now that he thinks Dorner's crazy and has a hero complex. (laughs) Really? Mm. Because a couple years back, you said that they were giving him the fucking shaft. Yeah. Now he's crazy? Cool. Got it. Uh... Another detective came across Dorner's Facebook post and sent the link to Detective Otato. It started, quote, from Christopher Jordan Dorner, 
to America. Subject, last resort. Um, it's, like I said, it was the equivalent of 20 plus pages. Yeah. It was a pro-government rage-filled documentation of his plans. Mm. Uh, it sometimes contained incoherent ramblings about celebrities, which was weird. Yeah. Like, just randomly, like, stuck in the middle of, like, actual valid points that he was making. So here's the thing about, like, the manifesto. Half of it is, like, I'm with you, dude. Yeah. 100%. Like, I agree every fucking step of the way. And then he goes on to some rambling about a celebrity. And then he goes back on point. You're like, all right, I'm back with you. Like, yes, I agree. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Unabomber's yes. manifesto. Yes, Like, if you ever read it. yes. It's fucking good. Right, and that's the thing. Well, that's the thing about... It, it's, it like hits the nail right well, on the head. so does his. Yeah. He was, he, I mean, he was very, obviously, pro-police, very pro-government. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's great. It's a great read. Yeah. Except for those little incoherent, you know. I but, I mean, 11,000 words, sometimes you, you skip a thought. Whatever. Yeah, but I wonder what that's about. If something there has to be some sort of obvious mental, mental illness happening here because normal yeah. people don't do what he did. Right. Um, the the basis of the manifesto though carried heavy threats to members of the LAPD and their families, and it, like he's not fucking around. Mm. He's like, I know who you are. I know where you live. This is your wife's name. This is your kid's name. This is where they go to fucking school. I mean, how long, how how much time has passed? Since he was termed? Yeah. He was termed in 09. See, like, why wouldn't you be using this time to look at other departments? He was, ap- he was appealing the whole time. But still. Right. He was just you, stuck. You, I mean, I, I would think even if you're appealing, you could mm-hmm. still. You can. You, you can. You still toss But he was, he was so stuck on what happened, you know? Um, So he started with the chief and went through every rank and division all the way down to patrol officers. He stated, quote, I will bring unconventional and asymmetrical warfare to those in LAPD uniform, whether on or off duty. Damn. Yeah. Then, though, he says multiple times, uh, tried to make it an open statement and be very clear to officers of other departments that they were not the target and they were not to intervene. Hmm. If you don't intervene, you won't become the target. Yeah. This isn't about you. It's about them. I want them, not you. Yeah. Let me do what I got to do. Wow. So um, he named Randall Kwan and his family specifically saying that Kwan was loyal to the LAPD and did not represent him well as a client. So obviously it was now assumed that this was the motive for Monica's murder and her fiance Keith was just collateral damage. Yeah. Um, so now the whole department is like, fuck. Everybody's freaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 200 plus officers were put on rotating protection details. Each of the uh, 50 targets were given to officers 24 7. Who did he, So this is on Facebook that he. This is in. He threatens them in the manifesto. And it's posted on Facebook. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I'll have to, there's one version where some of the names are redacted, but then I found a version where none of the names are redacted. Mm. So, um, so on Tuesday, I said Thursday, February 5th, 2013, uh, Dorner approached a dock worker at Point Loma Pier. Uh, 
He told the worker he was a soldier getting ready to deploy to Afghanistan, and he wanted to go to Mexico to fish before leaving. Mm. Uh, the dock worker's like, uh, what? Weirdo? Yeah. You know? Uh, he was like, there's nobody here. Like, I can't give you a boat. I can't take you out on a boat. And by the way, shouldn't you be spending your last night, like, with abroad? Right. Or, like, your family? Yeah. Just saying. Um, so when Dorner realized he wasn't going to get a boat, he left. Later that evening, though, he went to a yacht club in San Diego. He boarded a yacht owned by an 81-year-old man and his wife. Fuck yeah to that 81-year-old man owning a fucking yacht. Right? Um, Fucking A, right. So the man was alone. His wife was in L.A. Dorner held the man at gunpoint and said, you're going to take me to fucking Mexico. Mm. Cool. So it was almost like he was going to abandon his plan. Yeah. So... Uh, as they went to push off, Dorner proved he didn't know what the fuck he was doing, which is funny because he was in the Navy. Um, he threw the mooring rope. So I looked this up. The mooring rope is what's tied to that metal thing on the dock. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you throw the mooring rope on the dock. Mm-hmm. So when you push off, the rope like follows behind you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Am I describing that right? Okay. Yeah. So he threw it in the water. Instead of on the dock. Okay. So this caused the rope to be sucked down into the propeller. Mm. Seize the engine. But that's why you throw it on the dock. So that doesn't happen. Gotcha. So um, the man told Dorner, like, just take my fucking car. Take what you want. Just mm-hmm. whatever. So Dorner's like, yeah, fuck that. Ties the guy up with his own shoelaces, takes his cell phone and leaves. Uh, the man was finally able to call the police department at approximately 10 p.m. that night. Just after midnight on February 6, 2013, Repo Man, Lee McDaniel, was getting gas in Corona, California. Corona. My contacts are dry. I thought it said Carol. Um, He had seen Dorner on the news, so like he knew, you know. Yeah. Um, And they had released his license plate information and the truck description, which was a blue Nissan Titan pickup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Repo man Lee looks at the pump next to him and sees a gray Nissan Titan, but he's like, uh, that's Dorner. (laughs) That's not a blue truck, and that's Dorner. Yeah. So, this guy, because he's a repo man, had the ability to run plates. Oh, yeah. So, he ran the plates. Comes back registered as a gray Nissan truck to Dorner. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as Dorner pulls out of the gas station, two LAPD officers pull in. God, my contacts are really dry. Um, so, they were in Corona. You can stop complaining. Shut up. <laughs> they were in Corona uh, guarding a target. So, hmm. he was in Corona. Probably for a reason. I could go for a Corona. I was just fucking thinking that. Like, Man. Hmm. I think we got some bush light, but no, uh, so Lee the Repo Man, which I feel the need to call him Lee the Repo Man because that's how I kept writing it, <laughs> uh, told the officers. So they then took off towards Interstate 15, where they assumed Dorner was going. Uh, they caught up to him. They saw him take an exit, and they followed. However, Dorner was waiting at the bottom of the ramp. Ooh. He ambushed the officers with an assault, assault rifle. The officers attempted to return fire with their duty weapons, but they were too far away to be effective. Yeah. Uh, Dorner shot up the car, hitting the radiator and the tires, and also grazed one of the officers in the head. Can you fucking imagine that? 
like a centimeter, just a fraction. Dude, that'd be scary. It would have been in your fucking eyeball. Yeah. So scary as fuck. Uh, the officers were too far from L.A., obviously, for their radio bands to work. Uh, a bystander did stop, bless your heart, um, and used his cell phone to call the LAPD to tell them they obviously had an, offer, uh, an officer injured and give them the correct description of the truck that Dorner was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Riverside, California, an hour west of L.A., 10 miles from the gas station that he was just at, Mm-hmm. Um, patrol officers Michael Crane and Andrew Takias were notified that Dorner could be in the area. This was at approximately 1.30 in the morning. Okay. Now, normally Riverside officers don't have partners, but Takias was finishing up his training. They were stopped at a light with an older car next to them and a cab across the intersection. Yeah. Uh, a truck came up to the light and rolled through it. While passing the squad, a rifle muzzle appeared out of the driver's side window. Oh, Jesus. It started shooting across the hood of the older car. The driver of the truck fired into the squad multiple times. Mm -hmm. Jack Chilson, which awesome name, by the way, uh, the driver of the older car that was next to him, said that when the truck passed the squad, he saw the the driver put the rifle through the window, wearing safety glasses, and a grin on his face. Damn. Uh, As quickly as the shooting started, it stopped and the truck sped off. The squad car then slowly rolled through the intersection. I like have goosebumps right now. Yeah. Um, The cab driver got out of his car and ran over to the squad to put it into park. Takias was in the driver's seat struggling to breathe and Crane was motionless in the passenger seat. Uh, The cabbie kept asking, what can I do? What can I do? Takias just all he could muster was radio. Right. So the cab driver held the radio to Takias's mouth and he managed to get out officer down. The cab driver then gave the description of where they were at through the radio. Uh, the medics worked on Crane for over 30 minutes, but nothing could be done for the 34-year-old husband and father. Oh, man. Takias was rushed to the hospital with uh, gunshot wounds to his back, arms, legs, and shoulders. There were 13, 223 caliber, is that right? 223 caliber casings were found by the squad car. 223s are like AR-15s, AK-47s. They said that they were armor-piercing bullets. So, like, these guys didn't stand a fucking chance. Yeah, they're just, they're a strong round. Gotcha. Okay. So, 60 miles west of Riverside in Torrance, California... 71-year-old Emma Hernandez and her 46-year-old daughter Margie Caranzi were doing their paper route in a blue Toyota Tacoma, which is a pickup truck. Uh, Emma was in the back handing papers to Margie, who was driving, and she would throw them out the window, obviously. Uh, They had their headlights on, their hazards on, and their windows were down. It just so happened that one of Dorner's targets, an LAPD captain, lived on their paper route. Let the fuck up speak it. Yeah. You ready? Oh, it gets good. Uh, The women, paying attention to each other and their route, passed an empty squad car. Mm. The next thing they hear is a burst of gunfire, and the truck is now being riddled with bullets. Mm. 71-year-old Emma attempted to shield her daughter, which broke my fucking heart, uh, and she was shot twice in the back. 
Oh, man. Eight officers fired more than 100 rounds at the truck. Now, both women survived. They were okay. Yeah. Um, poor Margie was screaming out of the window, I'm just the newspaper girl. And neither one of them spoke English. Jeez. But at this point, the police still think that they're looking for a blue pickup truck. Brilliant. So they panicked. They saw the blue pickup truck. They got it out of their squad. They took cover. They fucking panicked. Yeah. Uh, David Perdue was driving his black Honda Ridgeland truck when he was turned around on a side street denied access by PD. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Um, out of, I, I wrote, out of fucking nowhere, a Torrance police officer rammed the side of David's truck. Multiple officers then began shooting at his truck. He was pulled from the truck at gunpoint and questioned by PD. These officers were responding to a shots fired call Unbeknownst to them, it was their officer's gunshots shooting at the women's truck that they were responding to. So they pull this guy out of his truck. He's a middle-aged white man. Yeah. He, he's not a, a 30-year-old black man. Right. And he's driving a black truck, not a blue truck. So again, they panicked. Um, so now, let's go to Big Bear Lake. It's a vacation town east of L.A. Um, which I sang that song from Cheech and Chong for like an hour after I wrote <laughs> East of L.A., by the way. Um, Thursday, February 7th of 2013, a snowplow driver was clearing a service road in the morning. And he finds what's left of a burned Nissan Titan pickup truck. It looked to him like it had gotten stuck and then slipped down a small embankment. Deputies were able to verify that it was Dorner's truck using the VIN number. In the front seat, they also found um, two burned AR-15s, part of a Glock, a hunting knife, a tent, and a camping stove. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of rounds exploded in the fire, sending shell casings everywhere around the car and in the snow. Uh, Within hours, hundreds of police officers uh, descended onto the mountain. Mm -hmm. This was complete with SWAT teams and helicopters. They immediately set up roadblocks. The bullets will not, like, fire, by the way. No, no. Yeah, no, I know. They pop. They pop, yeah. Um, They immediately set up roadblocks, checkpoints, and locked down a local ski resort. Many of the homes were vacant vacation homes, but police still went door-to-door talking to who they could, checking the homes for any forced entry. A woman they questioned said that she had recently seen uh, a man matching Dorner's description walking down the middle of the road, wearing boots and camouflage, and appeared to be hiding something under his jacket. So he was just skipping down the fucking street? Yeah. Like, hey. What's up? Yeah. Um, So they did bring out bloodhounds, but the dogs were unable to pick up Dorner's scent. Hmm. Um. The media showed up as quickly as the police. Yeah. So now, I don't know if you knew this part. Um, so now we're how many days into the manhunt? We're four days into the manhunt, right? Yeah. Okay. So Anderson Cooper, who yeah. is now covering the manhunt, yeah. says that he received a package earlier in the week from Dorner. Really? Yes. So he, it was an LAPD coin mm-hmm. with three bullet holes in the middle, uh, a couple of messages, and a DVD. 
One of the messages, by the way, was Dorner telling Anderson Cooper to stop interrupting his guests. No shit. So um, the the coin had formerly formerly been Chief Will Brayton's, and he had given the coin to Dorner because of his military service. This was the same chief who terminated him. Um, the package was actually received at CNN on February 1st. So this was two days prior to yeah. the first murder, yeah. which means it had to have gotten mailed out prior to then. So he, he was thinking about this for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, it wasn't seen by Cooper until the following Thursday when Dorner was already on the run. So Cooper then decides to bring Chief Brayton on the show and says, quote, he clearly has a beef with you. <laughs> you think? Sure. Well, yes. Yes, Anderson Cooper. Yes. You are correct. Um, officers were obviously nervous, sending family out of town and erasing all social media. Um, one of the... I don't know if it was Quan, so I'll just say one of the guys, had his entire family, like, in one house... Everybody was together, but his dad was like, fuck you, bring it on, bitch. I don't care. And refused to leave. His dad was in his 80s and refused to leave his house. He's like, I ain't bagging fucking down. Come on. Yep. Yep. They don't make them like they used to. No. So. Well, I I think we would do the same thing. Oh, fuck yeah. Bring it, bitch. We're armed. Like, someone's. You know what I would say? Fucking bring it. Fuck around and find out. Yeah. Put that on a t shirt. Which I'm going to, by the way. I think it already is. Oh, I need that fucking t-shirt. Yeah. It's me and Jackie, man. Fuck around and find out. I've seen it associated with that uh, Kenosha kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see that. I mean, listen, fuck around and find out. They found out. He was the fuck around and find out champion. (laughs) I think that's what it it said. (laughs) I'm going to find that shirt. My entire family's going to hate me, but I'm going to find that fucking shirt. Brad will love you. Oh, your sister will hate me. Oh, my God. Please wear it. I was going to say, I'm wearing that shit to Christmas. You know what? I I will find it. (laughs) Yes. I will find it just so you can wear it in front of my family. Yes. You better fucking. Your mom would love it. That's the funny thing. My mom and Bob would love it. And my dad would love it. (laughs) My sister. Oh, no. 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 Which I which was shocked me. by her stance. Which kills me. Was with shocked her, by with her. her background. I'm not gonna get into it. No, but you should have seen the way Josh and I were looking at each other, like, what the fuck is she talking yeah, about? Yeah. Like, Josh what looked have at me you and he's done like for your whole life. Well Josh is like, Isn't she the police? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm gonna find that shirt. Yeah. So um where oh I left off. Oh, okay. So Sorry. the eighty year old guys like fuck around and find out, right? Yeah. Um so Dorner's picture is now plastered everywhere. Um headquarters were established at the Joint Regional Intelligence Center. So J Rig, which is in Norwalk, California, which is mm-hmm. where he went to school or Dorner went to elementary yeah. school. Yeah. So it's it's apparently like the secret squirrel underground place. That um, the primary function of JRIG was to support large-scale multi-agency operations. But, like, nobody knows where it is unless you go there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dorner's mother and... kind of like our homeland security. 
Yes. A lot of people don't in know. our area don't know no. where it's at. I, I mean, and why would they? I do. I do. But but why Why would anybody else? Right. You know? It, it's a good spot. Too. It's a fucking great spot. Yeah. So For the south suburbs, it's, it's a great spot. Um, so Dorner's mother and sister were placed under surveillance. Um, they were also monitoring Dorner's phone, bank account, and credit cards. No activity. He had gone dark. Um, so now it's starting to come out that Dorner was quite the storyteller. Mm-hmm. Now, this is just what I read. And again, this is why I'm torn. Um, so he most likely was not in the woods because he had absolutely no survivalist training whatsoever. Right. Um, the Navy stated that they had only offered him basic combat training, uh, nothing along the lines of survivalist training, and they would not validate that he was an expert marksman. Mm. Um, he had failed flight school and was not trained in special operations, like he said. Over the course of the 12 years, he had failed to get promoted and had skipped his reservist training on multiple occasions. He saw no combat during his deployment. Uh, he was guarding an oil rig. He had barely graduated the academy, obviously. He shot himself in the fucking hand. Right. Um, friends said that he told them he was relying on his mother for financial support after the termination. Uh, Dorner also apparently misrepresented himself to women that he was trying to date. Um, he would tell them he was a SWAT officer, an IA investigator, and a combat vet. So a former girlfriend had even put him on the website called DontDateHimGirl.com. <laughs> uh, you know I fucking looked. It's really? not there anymore. Oh, that would have been great. It was an actual website. Do you remember Hot or Not? Yes. That was awesome. It was fucking terrible. That was awesome. Um... So she said he was paranoid that somebody was after him and he's fucking up all don't date him. Um, which that's like, dude, girls are shitty. <laughs> like, yeah. You make a whole fucking website. Yeah. I feel like that's terrible. That is kind of. So um, for Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday, nothing from Dorner. They hear nothing. They see nothing. On February 9th, 2013, a million dollar reward was offered for his capture. Wow. I would be dog the fucking bounty hunter looking right. for that bitch. No like, shit. I'm going to get you. Um, by this point, though, the LAPD said that they were going to reinvestigate Dorner's termination. Mm. Because part of his manifesto was he wanted a public apology. Yeah. I get it. Um, They tried to make it very clear that it was not to appease a, quote, domestic terrorist, but to prove there was no wrongdoing on the LAPD's part. Mm. Uh, The LAPD's top psychologist profiled Dorner. He said he would not be outside. Um, He also said that he would not return to the Valley for the rest of his targets. He told the San Bernardino uh, SWAT team to expect booby traps and for Dorner to feign surrender to draw them in. So San Bernardino County had the lead on this Mm. because of where it was. Um, And I want to look up booby traps later because I want to find out why they call them booby traps. Booby traps. Boobies. um, He warned them not to call Dorner a psychopath or mentally ill because it would just infuriate him more. Like, don't call a crazy person crazy. Yeah. You know? Sets him off. Um, 
He said Dorner was expecting to die and would fight to his last breath. Yeah. So I, he was pretty fucking spot on. This guy's a good profiler. Yeah. Um, like very, very spot on. So um, on February 12th, 2013, Riverside Police held a memorial for Officer Crane. Uh, ground searches were turning up nothing. They brought in helicopters with infrared cameras and still nothing. Because of this, search teams were actually starting to leave Big Bear Lake. On February 13th, 2003, which was a Tuesday, around noon, Jim and Karen Reynolds were getting ready to start cleaning the cabins on their property. Tuesday was cleaning day. Uh, All the cabins had been locked except cabin 203, which was unlocked that morning for maintenance. They knew all the cabins were locked because they were checked the day that Dorner's truck was uh, found. Yeah. Cabin 203, like I said, was unlocked for maintenance, and it was their first uh, stop on their cleaning list because it was unlocked. Mm -hmm. When they got to the cabin, they found that the door was locked. So they were like, what the fuck? Uh, They opened the door, went in, and were immediately greeted in the hallway by Dorner pointing a gun at them. Oh, boy. Jim recognized Dorner and was like, well, fuck. We're as good as dead. Um, It appeared Dorner had been in the cabin for several days, including the day that police checked all the cabins. Mm. But because the door was locked and there was no signs of forced entry, they kind of peeped in the windows and that was it. So he was close enough now to the investigation. He could see the hundreds of officers on the ground searching. He watched his truck being towed and he could obviously hear the helicopters. Um, He was literally right under their fucking noses. Mm -hmm. So he assured the couple that he wasn't going to kill them and told them, I let an 81-year-old guy go. Why would I fucking kill you? Um, Jim was able to hide his cell phone in the couch cushions. Dorner zip-tied their wrists, took Karen's cell phone, and put it on uh, a table in the living room and asked if they had a car. They pointed out the keys to their Nissan Rogue. Dorner then took the couple into their bedroom, zip-tied their feet, and searched them. He found a candy bar and asked Jim if he was diabetic. (laughs) Don't fucking judge me. Right. Leave me in my fucking Hershey bar alone. (laughs) Right. Maybe, yeah, I'm diabetic. Yeah, And Jim was a diabetic, by the way. Um, he then stuffed their mouths with wash, wash cloths and covered their heads with pillowcases, then had them recite the alphabet. Now, Karen, she's a smart little Karen, she pretended to struggle talking to make it appear that the gag was tight. Yeah. And he had her stop at K, probably because he was tired of listening to her. Um, they heard Dorner packing his shit and then leave the house. Yeah. Uh, Karen, because it's always the chicks, mm-hmm. uh, she was able to stand up and she tried to grab a knife that Dorner had left on the dresser, but it dropped behind the door. So she hopped out of the living room and found her cell phone on the table and was able to call 911 using her face. Wow. Punching that shit with her nose. Yeah. Leave it to a woman. Good job. Uh, she did tell them, you know, he's got her car. This is where he's going. Yeah. But he did have a 30-minute head start. So officers took their places at several checkpoints with the hopes of deploying spike strips. Dorner was eventually spotted. However, he was tailgating school buses, so the police wouldn't have the opportunity to throw out oh, the spike strips. Wow. Yeah. He's not stupid. No. Um, 
They gave chase, but they lost him. They guessed the direction he would go in, and eventually they found the Nissan crashed into a snowbank with airbag deployment and a broken windshield. Mm. He left behind weapons, smoke grenades, tear gas, and a rifle with the word vengeance written on the stock. Jeez. Uh, he, I mean, he was on a mission. Yeah, he was. Uh, Dorner then carjacked a silver Dodge Ram driven by a Boy Scout leader, mm. of course, uh, using an assault rifle. Shortly after, the cops spotted Dorner driving the truck, and he fired at the officers as he drove by. 20 rounds were fired back as Dorner disappeared around uh, a corner on a curvy road. Man, suspenseful. Sorry, sorry. Um, Oh, I thought I wrote dickhead, but it's ditched. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't put it past you. Uh, Dorner had ditched the truck, not dickhead the truck, down uh, an embankment behind a cabin. Police didn't see it, drove right past it. Uh, Dorner broke into another cabin and took position at a window. Cops began to spread out across um, roads throughout the area. Two San San Bernardino detectives were on foot. Alex Collins and Jeremiah McKay approached the cabin with their guns drawn. Collins saw a flash and then felt like he had been punched in the face. And this reminded me of Forrest Gump when he yells, something bit me. (laughs) Had to throw that in there. Um, He had, in actuality, been shot in the face. Mm. He was also shot in the leg, the arm, and the chest. Mm. Uh, The bullet entered under his nose, went through his mouth, shattering his teeth and jaw as it exited his jaw. It split his tongue in half. Damn. So... The officers then took cover behind a truck, and Collins... This kills me. Collins tried to say bent over so he wouldn't choke on his own blood. Mm. He then attempted to call his wife. My whole body just went numb. Um, He was unable to call his wife because his cell phone had been destroyed by a bullet. Oh, jeez. He had actually just returned from paternity leave from the birth of his son. Uh, oh, McKay was radioing for a helicopter for his injured partner, and some, yeah, somehow he moved from behind the truck just far enough and just long enough that Dorner was able to aim right at him. Oh. Um, he was shot just above the vest. So to describe it to, I mean, if you've seen somebody wearing a Kevlar vest on TV, right at the where like your neck meets your chest and there's that little spot where the the vest doesn't cover that's where he got him killed him instantly um he he became uh dorner's fourth murder victim uh the surrounding officers attempted to come up with a rescue plan to get the men out of the kill zone uh the plan was very simple drive the truck in grab the guys drive the truck out yeah Somehow, due to confusion and miscommunication, the truck drove away without the men. They did, however, discover exactly where Dorner was. Uh, Deputies turned their attention to the cabin and lit it the fuck up. Good. Dorner returned fire. uh, Because of Dorner's I-don't-give-a-fuck mentality, the rescue mission was close to impossible. But, obviously, the guys are like, we gotta get our dudes, you know? Um, so they decided eventually to use smoke grenades to get the men out. So they used a smoke grenade to block the view. Um, 
McKay was unfortunately deceased, but Collins had a chance because of his cell phone. He normally kept his cell phone in his back pocket, but today he had kept it in his vest. So he was shot in the chest, and it pierced his cell phone. Oh, my God. Not going through his vest. That's why he... But his cell phone was destroyed. That's why he couldn't call his wife. Yeah. But that's what saved his life. I bet you it was a fucking Nokia, because those things, they stood everything. Blackberry. So his cell phone saved his life. Wow. Um, San Bernardino had been the lead, but officers were coming out of fucking everywhere. Yeah. Uh, LAPD SWAT guys uh, borrowed, and by borrowed, I mean stole, uh, a helicopter. Mm-hmm. I, you just steal a fucking helicopter. Yeah. Um, they landed it on the mountain pretty close to the cabin, but unfortunately it drew attention away from the cabin and t- towards them. Uh, so many guys showed up to help, which is great. Good thoughts. I get it. Yeah. Uh, however, they caused a traffic jam. Mm-hmm. And because of this, the San Bernardino um, deputies were waiting for a tactical tractor and it couldn't get through the traffic jam. So they had to remove it from the trailer and physically drive the tractor into the scene. Yeah. Uh, perimeter was formed around the cabin, blocking all possible escape routes. Per the owner, the cabin was empty and had a basement. The deputies tried to talk to Dorner via loudspeaker and then used tear gas canisters. There was no sign of them of Dorner. They then used the tractor to literally rip down the walls, yeah. which to me is fucking awesome and I would love that to do. Is. Um, Dorner had lined all the walls with mattresses. Around 4 p.m., green smoke was seen coming from the cabin. This was a clear indication that Dorner was still alive because the PD's smoke grenades were not green. Right. So after much consideration, it was decided that hot gas canisters were to be used in uh, lieu of tear gas. These were known to start fires and had an actual label on them for outdoor use only. Uh, A little after 4 p.m., deputies deployed six hot gas canisters. Shortly after, with no response, a seventh was deployed. The seventh one started a fire. Good. At 4.09 p.m., flames were visible. Um, The fire caused all the ammunition in the house to explode. Um, So because of this, they wouldn't let the fire department in. Right. Obviously. Uh, At 4.20 p.m., a single gunshot was heard. Eventually, investigators were able to approach the absolutely destroyed house after they decided to let the fire die down. Uh, A charred body was found in the basement with a 9mm Glock next to it. The body had burned so hot, the legs and hands had essentially melted away. It was determined that uh, there was one shot to the temple, and the 9mm was later matched to Monica Kwan's mo- murder, and the AR-15 that was also next to him was matched to Crane and McKay's murders. The body was identified as Christopher Dorner after his very intact wallet was found underneath him. In it, they found a fake police badge and two business cards belonging to two LAPD captains. It was the two LAPD captains who sat on the Board of Rights panel. Really? On those business cards were their home addresses, their wives' names, and their children's names. Oh, no shit. Um, the... What? Oh, the lockdown that Dorner had caused in Southern California was finally over. Mm. I'm almost done. 
Last page. Um, he had held Southern California hostage for over a week. Yeah. Um, so a little bit about the guys who were shot. Uh, Michael Crane was a former Marine. He was a husband and father of two. Uh, Deputy Jeremiah McKay was a husband uh, with a stepdaughter and a four-month-old son. Officer Andrew Takias was hit by eight bullets. Um, he never completely physically or emotionally recovered. So he never returned to full duty, and he retired at the age of 35 in 2017. I, I'm like, I have chills. Um, Detective Alex Collins had multiple surgeries and brutal PT, which reminded me of you, but he eventually returned to full duty. Um, Part of the manifesto, one of the very last things that he wrote in it was, quote, the question is, what would you do to clear your name? Uh, LAPD sources say disciplinary, um, disciplinary, like disciplinary actions were critical of people who reported misconduct. Uh, There was much retaliation against the officers who did report misconduct. Uh, Two years after the incident, Sergeant Teresa Evans filed a lawsuit against the LAPD for discrimination. Uh, She said that after Dorner filed the report, she was harassed by her supervisors and um, blocked from any overtime and a promotion. She didn't win the lawsuit. Hmm. So, that is your story of Christopher Dorner. It's interesting. A lot more than you thought. Yeah, a lot more yeah. than I thought. I tried to dig deep for you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah, it's it, and that's that what I, I'm torn. No yeah, like they 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 did him dirty. They did. They they really <clears throat> did him fucking dirty. They did, but. I, it's just I don't know. On one hand, like I have mixed yes. feelings because I I've worked with the feds mm-hmm. on trying to get dirty cops. Mm-hmm. I've worked with the state police trying to get dirty cops. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, <laughs> and nothing. Everything is, like if you Google LAPD disciplinary action, the shit that comes up stupid. is oh my god, oh my god. They're awful with it. There's so much uh, retaliation that happens, and yeah. They obviously got to fix that. Yeah, which hasn't been fixed in God knows how long. Yeah, so it's 2022. They, you know, so you got to get out of the, right. the fucking 80s, and so, 90s. I mean, I obviously there was some sort of something going on in his head, but this made him snap. He did put in the manifesto, though, that he wanted his brain studied after his death. Was it? Um, No, because it was burned. Um, They want he wanted them to study his brain to see if there were any effects from long term depression. Mm. So he did admit that there was depression there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's interesting. Fucked up all around. Yeah. Yeah. So there's your story. I mean, I'm I'm sure the depression didn't help. Didn't help. Yeah, you know. But something in him snapped. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go this far, right? You I mean, have to snap. in the manifesto, it's it's a it's a fucking hit list. It's it's a legit 
hit list. And he, he says as much that it's a hit list. Just to write a manifesto. Oh, you have to baby, snap. you got to like, it's a very interesting read. It is. Yeah, I'll, so I'll have to check it out. Yeah. But yep. this was good. Thank you. You're very welcome. So, um, oh, my eyes are burning. Yeah, we're almost at two hours. Um, so. I just want to say really quick, though, that um, we're thinking about and praying for the officers who were just shot in Bradley. Yeah. Um, the one sergeant, uh, horrific. I can't even repeat the story without crying. Um, she was shot in such a horrific way that it's the first time in 12 years that Mark's ever tried to hide a story from me. Yeah, if, if you're not familiar, if you haven't heard, I don't know if it's national news, but Bradley, Illinois, they had a sergeant who was just killed, executed, Which, and I, another officer that was shot in the head, he's in critical, but I have uh, an officer who I used to work with who's Bradley PD, and they shared the the exact details yeah, the, of what the body happened. cam footage and, it's, and the uh it's fucking disgusting not testimony um transcript yeah of what happened and it's just it's fucking heartbreaking and the two subjects i i hope they fucking rotten hell it's literally i'm about to cry um it it's it's proof that there is true evil in this world yeah. There was literally no reason for it to happen in general. And nobody deserves to die in the manner that she died in. Right. It was horrific. And it, over a, a dog, a dog barking. Yeah. So we're definitely, um, we're, we're praying for her family and we're praying for the other officer's family. Like Mark said, he's in the hospital. He's in critical condition. Um, they, the family just put out a statement that he's alive. They don't know where he's really at, but that uh, he was transferred from one hospital up to Christ Hospital that night. Yeah. And life-saving surgery was performed on him there. Yeah. So, I just wanted to throw... I figured since we were talking about cops, I wanted to but throw yeah, that out there. No, for sure. So, But evil does exist. Yeah. Read it. If you think that there's a reason for everything and that some people just need help, I, I want mm. you to find the transcript and I want you to read what this woman said. Right. Because if if that doesn't fucking break your heart, I don't know what will. Or just come on a bride along with us and yeah, see for yourself how fucking how the real world actually is. Yeah. I st- I. Ugh. It kills me. So, so I wanted to get that one. out there. Yeah, I appreciate that, babe. Um, what, what are we doing for our next one? Uh, the uh, influenza. Yeah, not influenza. <laughs> not influenza. Influenza. Affluent. Affluent. <laughs> not influenza. Influenza is what you have. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, that'll be just a quick one because I did um, just a little bit of reading on him and he's a complete fucking shitbag. Yeah, he looks like it. So. He looks like a turd. He is a fucking turd. Yeah. So, 
and his be fun. parents are like the king and queen of the turds. But so. we could probably knock that out this weekend. Oh, I'll have it done because yeah. it's it's not going to be a long one. So maybe Sunday yeah. we can knock it out. Yep, and... it won't be long. So, but I just keep seeing it on TV, so I want to. Yeah, I, wanna I, do it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this one, and we will be talking to you very soon. Yes. Don't forget to tune in if you get WGN Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. I don't know what to do with Central. I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm terrified. But we will be on <laughs> daytime Chicago, so. Guys, I'm going to say fuck on live TV. I, you better not. <laughs> You'll get us kicked. Your off. mother would be fucking mortified. I know. My mom would be like, eh, yeah, it's about right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be kicked out of the studio. So, <laughs> but all right, guys, we will be talking to you very soon. Bye. Bye. You're making all that noise? <laughs> Shit. Sorry. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.